Welcome to Embrace the Musica. I'm Dominique Dines, who at the age of 21 moved abroad to Mexico to start teaching after growing up in a small town in Minnesota. My husband is from Peru and we met salsa dancing over a decade ago in Guadalajara, Mexico. Here we are today raising two tricultural kids and making the most of life and community in a place that neither of us grew up in. Embrace the Musica was started right before COVID-19 and is meant to be a place where we can be vulnerable about our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts that make us who we are today as we are constantly growing. I also love hearing about other people's journeys. So on many episodes, I get to invite incredible women onto the show to encourage us all. So let's embrace the Musica today. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Embrace the Musica. I'm really excited this week to have a friend, Bianca, on the podcast. We actually just met recently, but we are both in a business mastermind and connected over a few different parts of our story and what we've been up to. So I wanted to invite her on the podcast to learn more about her story, and she can tell us how she's empowering women in her corner of the world. So Bianca, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. Maybe for starters, can you tell us like where you're from, where you're living now? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was really excited about this. Awesome. Um, so where I'm from is a little town called Boise in Idaho, um, out west in the desert. And um, I was raised there till I was 16. And then my parents just decided that they wanted to move across um, the country because they wanted us to have more opportunities and, you know, education and jobs and stuff. So I now live in Frederick, Maryland, which is in the um, Washington, D.C. region. So it's very different here. <laughs> and... Did you go directly from Boise to D.C. or you were in a few places between there as well, right? Yeah. Well, I actually, I mean, I say Boise because that's like the only like city really in, <laughs> in Idaho. Okay. But I was I was raised mostly in Middleton, which is like a really small town. So I moved from Middleton to um, a suburb of Boise and then we moved to Minnesota another okay. small town um, called uh, Sartell, which is near St. Cloud. Um, we were there for nine months and then we couldn't stand the, the snow anymore. <laughs> so um, then we moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, actually. Okay, oh, cool. Also different. And then from there, we've been in the DC region, whether that was like Fairfax or Gaithersburg or whatever. Um, so we've been in the DC region for the last like eight or nine years. Okay, fun. I love the small town connection. I grew up in a really small town in Minnesota. So we definitely have that yes. um, in common. But something interesting that you mentioned last time we talked is that your husband is from another country. A lot of our listeners are part of a multicultural family. So I would love to know how you met him and what's, or how's it been being in a bicultural marriage or a multicultural home for you? Yeah, it's, um, so um, I'm Native American and European American. So I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether mm -hmm. they 
movement on. It's very, um, your sense of identity is very kind of mishmashed and um, you don't have like a set culture per se. Um, whereas uh, people from other countries generally have this really strong sense of identity and language and customs and culture and stuff. So me uh, marrying a man from Pakistan, um, he was seven when he moved here. Um, and so he's very much like um, adapted and, and sort of uh, integrated into American culture, but his parents not. So um, I have the experience often of, um, of a small village culture from Pakistan. And so that um, experience has been trying and also rewarding um they like i said it's a very small village out there so i like to tell people because i went out there too i went out there uh, last couple years ago and um it's very much old testament that's how i describe it to people because it's very i don't know how to explain it um it just has that feel and it's just very old-fashioned it's very traditional um so every time I go to my in-laws, even over here, it's a little taste of that again. I love that description. And I, I think that makes sense. Now, do you find, because I know you have young children, are you trying to integrate some of maybe traditions from both your families in, you know, having your own family or how does that look like? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of parts of the culture that actually of his culture his parents culture that he had a problem with actually so we very much make our family culture about what our values are as a as a married couple um, but there are pieces that we bring in from our both of our childhoods like he um, sometimes tries to speak or do to the kids um, it's very seldom because it doesn't come as natural to him as English does. Um, and then, of course, the clothes. My mother-in-law makes my daughter these beautiful, um, they're called shawakamis. They're, it's, a, it's an outfit, traditional outfit. It's kind of like the, the baggy pants with the um, long tunic that has the slits in the sides for, like, movement and um, a scarf. So she makes my daughter these from like scraps from her outfits that she makes, which is so cute. It's really, um, they're always really colorful and vibrant fabrics. I've actually used some of those fabrics to make dresses myself because you can't find those kind of fabrics here, just like at Joann's. So I love um, that. It's like a yeah. taste. Yeah, like a taste of culture or tradition in the, in the clothes. That's so funny. Yeah. My husband's actually, he's a fashion designer. And so oh, I know wow. I know all about like fabrics and finding the good fabrics and stuff. So that's super fun. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit today about your business and your uh, goals there because you are a motherhood empowerment coach mm -hmm. and we have a lot of moms who listen to this podcast. So tell us a little bit, like what does that mean or how did that get started even? Can you... Just tell us more. I'm super curious. Yeah. Um, I, so I became a mom about four years ago. Uh, actually, yeah, exactly four years ago. And I was very excited to become a mom. I quit my job to stay home with my daughter. And that was like what I knew that I needed to do. And so 
I got into the role and everything. My husband was off for a blissful three months, um, which is like unheard of. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He no longer works at the place that gives him three months, but you know, we did have that time. So that was really lovely. But after he went back to work, I really started to struggle with like, this is what I wanted to do with my life is stay home and raise my kids and make the home and stuff. Right. But I couldn't figure out like, why was I so like frustrated and busy yet bored? Um, and how come I'm not using any of the skills that I learned in school, at work, my talents, my passions, like my whole life just became being a mom and it was not, um, pleasant when, when your whole life becomes about one thing, it's not, it's not healthy. Um, so I started thinking and, you know, I told my husband, he's so like supportive and just willing to with whatever I want to do, which is pretty cool. Um, and I told him, I was like, you know, I want to do a, a job from home because I'm, you know, I want to use my skills and stuff. So I got, um, coaching certification as a holistic health coach. Um, and I became really passionate about helping other moms, uh, see and figure out the reasons why, you know, they felt so, um, lost in motherhood or like they had to settle for this season or whatever. Um, because you actually don't have to, you know, and society and people going along with it, make you think you have to, but you don't actually have to, you can do what you want to do and be an awesome mom. And it's so, it's very sad. It really breaks my heart to see women um, settling and just going along with, you know, the status quo because it's easier, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we have so much in common because I love, you're just speaking so much truth about the reality, I think, of motherhood that, yes, it may look beautiful on Pinterest and you may see <laughs> all these images of what you think it should be, but... The first year with, because I've been a mom now for six years, and our first year was so, so hard, (laughs) like in so many ways, because I felt like I was losing myself. My marriage was like falling apart, which I've talked about on several episodes. Um, It was hard. So common. Yeah. So I think it's such an important uh, role you're playing right now and helping other women and empowering them. Can you tell us a little bit? about some of the most maybe typical struggles you're coaching women through or uh, what are some of the things you're seeing um, as you're talking with other moms? Yeah, um, so a lot of my research and market surveys and stuff, um, it really all points to not feeling like you have any time for yourself. Um, And you know, of course there's other issues, but really the things that that bother moms is that they feel like they have to choose between taking care of themselves or taking care of their families and that it has to be one way or the other and of course it doesn't but like like i said it's just easier to get up whenever you roll out of bed and just start reacting to things just start okay you want this here's this okay you want to do this there's that oh you want me to do this okay and then we get this you know stuck in this loop of like um, you know, you're, you're serving everybody. So there's some sense of fulfillment in that, like you're needed and you're, you play an important role, but then you don't see appreciation from it or you burn out because you don't take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and you're back to square one. And what do you do? 
it's the path of least resistance is just to continue going, you know, rolling with the punches. But I, I advocate desperately that women don't do that. Um, it's, it's so important to not settle because you're not only suffering you're setting yourself up for life of suffering, but you know, you really teach your kids how to, to treat you mm-hmm. and in turn, how to treat moms, how to treat, you know, the woman of the home, whatever. And you start, you know, when you start to, when you continue to wait, like till this season is over or till things get easier and stuff, what you end up doing is becoming the kind of person that's always waiting for something to come from the outside to fix your problems. And it never works. And, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're what, like you're, you're 10 years in and you just resent your family. I do not accept that. And that's why I, I, I never stopped doing this. Even when I was uh, pregnant, I still kept putting stuff out. And even when I wasn't coaching or making any money, because I'm very passionate about not letting women settle. If I can just be like the, the person in, in your <laughs> ear, the little annoying person, that's like, no, 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 you can, you can do it. You can do it. You know, you can, then that's fine. I can be annoying for a little while because <laughs> it's, it's so important. I won't let you settle, you know? Totally. And I think that's such an important message. And something you said reminded me, because you said you're setting up like those boundaries or that example to your own children. And I was going through a career change a few years ago, and I, I posted about this on my blog, but I, one of my good friends, Jess, she was talking to me because I was really struggling with like knowing what to do in my career and where to go and how, like what decision to make. And she looked at me and she said, Dom, like, what would you tell your daughter to do? And it was that moment that it was like the light bulb, like, I want my daughter to do what she loves. And like, I want her to pursue this. And I don't need to feel that guilt as a mom, because I want to be that example. Yeah, you know, I'm pursuing something I love and I'm passionate about rather than settling. I think, like you said, um, just in accepting how things you know, sometimes we feel like there's no way out, but a lot of it's like mindset and um, setting that example. Yeah, and just like you, you said, I mean, even in what you said, there's like this, well, you know, my daughter's worth it, but then that kind of implies that, oh, I'm worth it too. Mm-hmm. Like I am a, a person, I'm a human, I'm, um, I'm just as worthy of space in my family as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's this saying that I love. It's like if you, you know, when you heal your children, you heal everyone else going up through generations in your line. Because when you, you know, express that love to them and, you know, like you're saying, tell your daughter, like give her the best advice possible. You start to see that like, well, I'm deserving of that too. Mm-hmm. I need to do that because it's, you know, it's the right thing to do to treat myself right. And then, you know, as they say, like, um, what do they call it? Imitation is the best form of flattery because social role modeling is, is the most effective uh, mm-hmm. form of training. So I think it's really important to set a good example too. I even try to set an example with my mother-in-law mm-hmm. because she's from a completely different place and I don't know exactly all the reasons for it, but she kills herself for her family. She takes no time for herself. She, she literally makes herself sick serving everybody else. So whenever possible, I try to just like, you know, show her that motherhood doesn't have to be self-sacrifice. I mean, -hmm. certainly when you love people, you give a little here, but it's compromise, right? Like it's not just like laying down on the altar to die for everyone else. Yeah. Um, So yeah, Yeah. I just think it's important to set the example. 
No, for sure. No, I love all of this so much. Um, how has it been running a business through the pandemic? And I mean, I know most of your coaching calls are online, mm-hmm. um, but can you just talk a little bit? Cause we also have entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast and just share a little bit about your story through the pandemic. Sure. Give more like a, a business overview. Yeah. Or like what you found to be successful, what was maybe hard, just a little. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so during the whole pandemic, I, um, it's funny, I was just getting started um, with planning to do in-person stuff. It was, it's, it was really funny, actually, because because then they just closed everything. And I was like, well, I guess I have to get creative now. I guess I have to push myself even more, which is, you know, in disguise, a good thing. Um, so I lost a little momentum there for a little while when I was freaking out, you know, in the beginning. And then after I got over myself, um, I started just thinking about like all the ways that that moms might be struggling and stuff. And it turns out, I mean, I'm sure everyone is aware, like the world over is aware that during that time, moms were affected greatly because support systems, community um, outlets, everything closed down. And I don't think it's controversial to say that the brunt of the burden was on mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, So lots of moms started considering homeschooling. Lots of moms were now home trying to work with their kids there. Stay-at-home moms were like, it was even more hard for stay-at-home moms because they didn't have the activities or the preschool or whatever it may be. So there started to be a need for um, a lot more time management, actually. Stuff like that, people wanting to... um, optimize their schedules uh, and make sure that they were still feeling productive and not going crazy. Um, so that was that was the need during the pandemic mostly. Now everybody's kind of coming out of their shells and things are starting back up. Um, so I'm getting, I'm, I didn't really answer your question, did I? Um, no, so this I, is great though, because I think I'm nodding my head in agreement the whole time you were talking. So I'm like, yes, it was really hard on us moms for sure. Yeah, that and so there was um, sort of actually to answer your question, there was sort of this influx of a different crowd of moms that I, I was starting to help like more working moms. Um, and I did do this program last year, um, a group coaching program that was all about like making time for yourself and making a schedule that works for your family. Um, and that was something I put out last year because it's what people were asking for. Mm-hmm. And now as things calm down a little bit more, I'm doing some one-on-one coaching with moms, uh, helping them to design morning routines because now that moms are running around to, you know, soccer meetups or whatever, um, they're struggling now that they have a little bit of space, they still need the structure. So it's kind of evolved from last March. Yeah. And I think you said something really important there. You said you were responding to what they were asking for. And I think in business, so often our businesses or our ideas or dreams, like they evolve depending on our customers' needs or our ideal client or whatever tag you want to put there. But it's important Mm -hmm. to listen to like, what are people asking for and what do you have? Like, what tools do you have that you can help them with or what gifts do you have? Um, You've kind of touched on this throughout today's questions, but we do have, as I've said, we have moms, we have women, we have working moms. Like, 
a lot of different people who listen to this podcast. And I know being a working mom at home with little ones, uh, Bianca has a newborn mm-hmm. and then a four-year-old. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what does a typical day look like for you working from home with little ones? How do you find um, maybe some sort of balance or boundaries in your homework life? Yeah, I, um, and I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating when I say that I love it. Now, (laughs) there are a few caveats because I um, am an introvert, so I enjoy being home, like most of the time. Um, But then also, um, I am blessed enough to have my husband home. He works at home too. So he has an office downstairs, I have an office upstairs. um, And then we just have, um, we set up these systems uh, well, let me say that I set up the systems and I tell him, you know, how they're going to work. <laughs> and he just says, okay, that's fine. Um, so I'm blessed to have all those things. Um, but how it actually goes on a day-to-day basis is that I, um, I get up at 5 a.m. And uh, from 5 a.m. to 8, my husband is on kid duty. Now, the kids are mostly asleep during that time. But if they were to get up or whatever, he would tend to them so that I can have that time and space. Um, And then from eight to 12, I'm doing, uh, you know, various chores or whatever, playing with my daughter. Um, And then when uh, he gets when he's on break, you know, we'll eat together. Um, I might sneak off to a meeting or something. Um, And then uh, so he helps out during his break, too, which is awesome. And he needs to catch up with the kids anyways. Right. So. And then from about like one to all the way to six, I switch between um, making dinner and coming back here to uh, check up on stuff. And I think it's really important to to note, though, that like I've trained my daughter to play independently. And that doesn't mean that I never play with her. Uh, I play with her and I give her some really present quality time. And then I let her know that I'm going to be doing something that's important. And she has lots of things to do that could be important to her. And it's so important for me, for her to like, be able to problem solve and get creative on her own so that she's not always expecting someone to entertain her. Um, There's so many benefits to to independent play for children. Um, And we don't realize this until we're so out of balance. You know, we've entertained them for so long that we're miserable and they're so clingy because we've taught them to be that way. You know, and so um, after I taught her how to play independently, I was able like I'm able to do work during the day with my son in either in my lap or sitting next to me um, and she playing her into playing independently. Um, And until I made that change, life was pretty hard. So, um, yeah. And then after my husband gets off, we'll eat. My daughter goes to bed 30 minutes after he gets off. um, And then me and my husband hang out until I go to bed at nine (laughs) o'clock. I love that. I love that you have boundaries set. You have a schedule. Uh, you can maybe hear in the background, I have a daughter knocking on the door right now. Oh, um, God, so it. it's like very fitting, all of this that you just said with the time blocking and really just being intentional about how you use your time. Um, yeah. Do you, if people wanted to find you, where would be the best place to find you? Okay, so I have been a lot of places, but... I am uh, now uh, a bit of a hermit. I, most of my, all of my stuff goes to my email list because that's where I can um, 
you know, talk to people interactively where it's like a one-on-one -on -one thing and uh, the relationship is, is uh, mutually beneficial. Um, and other than that, I have some Facebook and Pinterest under uh, Motherhood Empowerment Coach. Um, or no, I'm sorry, Facebook, Instagram, other, under Motherhood Empowerment Coach, and also Pinterest. Um, but Pinterest and my email list are mostly where I'm active. So if you want to find old stuff, you can go to Facebook and Instagram. But <laughs> Awesome. Well, I will link everything in the show notes so that if anybody oh, cool. wants to find you on Pinterest or wants to get on your email list to see what you're up to, uh, maybe any new things coming, because I know we've talked about a few exciting things in the pipeline or things you're dreaming of, which um, sounds super exciting. So I definitely need to get on your email list too, so I can stay in the know. Um, but as we wrap this up, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners today? Um, whether you're speaking to the moms who are listening or anybody really, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Yeah. Um, I didn't say my email, I mean, my uh, website, which is motherhoodempowerment.com. Sorry. Um, and what I would like to leave everybody with is that whatever you're struggling with, it doesn't have to be that way. It is not set in stone. It's not a, it's not just how it is. It's not just how you are. It's not the way things go. You have the power to change how your life is. And as the mother in the home, especially the mothers in the home, or even the woman in the home, you are the, the thermometer for the whole house. Whatever you set the temperature, like it's all, it literally is all about you and how you set it up. So you, everything you're doing is teaching people how to treat you. Everything you're doing is, is teaching people how to behave in the home. So you have the power. You just need to realize it and start, start something. It can be super small, whatever your goals are, just start, stop waiting, just start. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying just start now. <laughs> I love it though. No, I think like you made the point and it's so, so true. So thank you so much, Bianca, for being a guest today and just encouraging us all. I can't wait to see how your journey continues to unfold. And just I'm so thrilled that you decided to spend some time with us today. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was fun. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on Embrace the Musica. I truly hope that there was something on this episode that encouraged you, that inspired you, that motivated you, and I would love to hear if it did. So please take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, share it with your friends, invite another friend to listen, and until next time, with heart and humility, Embrace la Musica.